0: configuring your new MacBook Pro. What are the considerations? This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is sponsored by Upstart, fair and fast personal loans. Go to upstart.com macvoices and find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Truebill. Get control of your subscriptions at truebill.com macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This is part two in a two-part Mac Voices live discussion. This time, we get into a debate about configuring a new MacBook Pro, and some of the considerations that that should go into that decision, and the panel discusses and sometimes disagrees on what the most important factors are when choosing your configuration. Let's go back and let them do the talking.
1: Well, I was going to say that, you know, Apple didn't have anything in that high-end space for a long time. I mean, it's been pretty obvious that you shouldn't buy a high-end laptop for probably at least two years. So I think there was a lot of pent-up demand, a lot of people that, you know, so what we're seeing now is, you know, there's a lot of people that were waiting and they were like, the minute this comes out, I'm ordering it. So, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, this is going to be the, the sustained demand for, for these products. I, you know, I'm sure there's some people that are buying them that, that, you know, just cause they can afford them and, and, and ego and whatnot. But I don't, I doubt if that's the, the majority of it. And, you know, that's, you could say that like, you know, nobody needs a, a Jaguar, or, you know, Ferrari or whatever. Um, but there's a market for that. Um, uh, Yeah, they're they're nice machines. There are people that are going to, you know, I mean, flip side, I was one of those people that was waiting and I couldn't wait anymore. And so in June, I bought an M1 uh, 13-inch Pro. And I think for now, I'm just going to stick with that. It's, you know, still better than what I had before and, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, maybe I'll wind up in an Apple store at some point in the next 6 months and <laughs> and uh you know, change my mind, but um I'm you know, I'm not ordering one for now. And uh you know, and, and I'm a, I'm a little bit like, you know, one thing, you know, things like, you know, Xcode is probably the the biggest thing for me and and that's where core, you know, the single core speed is really critical. And it didn't actually go up that much um uh it's you know these are still m1s i i, I was a little bit disappointed uh, you know that we're, we're not seeing like it's not even using the a15 technology yet so um you know maybe the next fall will be the m2 and that'll that'll be exciting i am i may not wait but we'll 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 see uh oh, but this oh. M1 thirteen inch is pretty damn nice. So cost- I, I I do tend to like max like mm-hmm. I I obviously bought sixteen gig memory for that and you know, because I tend to keep machines for four to six years, so you know, and you can't expand them anymore. So, you know, if I did get one, I would probably pretty close to max it out.
2: Could you uh dig into your memory and maybe quantify the sort of performance difference you've seen from tell us what you were i guess working or compiling with you know before moving to uh you know that uh that uh, mac pro this june
1: well actually i'm just in the process of doing the move right now um so i'm I'm still i I had a uh 2016 um i guess it's an i7 um which I was pretty happy with, you know, I, I'm also like, I'm doing my development in Objective-C, not Swift. And it turns out that ironically, the Objective-C compiler is much faster than the Swift compiler. Hmm. So, um, uh, you know, people that are using Swift are like, you know, they're really, you know, I mean, they're, they're still slower than, but, but uh, you know, I did. I have found like my project, if it, it builds about three times faster on on this machine than it did on the on the Intel machine. They both had sixteen gig um, of memory, and um, <clears throat> but it actually doesn't really matter much to me because most of the time when I'm doing, you know, I'm you know, I make a few changes and do a build that is not a full build. build only I'll only do a full build uh, you know two or three times a week so that i think took 40 seconds before and now it takes 18 or something like that but most of the time when i do a change it's more like two seconds yeah. so you know it's like oh okay now it's 1.5 or you know what i went from like three to 1.8 or you know but who cares so, you can
2: stay in the zone you don't you, your mind doesn't wander onto i other I, things.
1: I i i I'm you know, and you know I've been doing this a long time. I remember you know back in the eighties doing things where you know you'd have a fifteen minute turnaround uh and you know I used to like you know read novels like uh well, you know I was waiting for the computer to do compiles, so those days are over now you can't even read a tweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let me pull the chat room in here um because there are a lot of interesting comments being made um so i'm going to just take them in in order and then we can comment on them at when we finish um brad says 256 gig on a macbook air is too small but the 512 gig ssd on the new on the new macbook pro is okay for some people that's really interesting i i mean i see your point, but I guess my reaction is that's probably the easiest thing to recover from if you bought too small. It's just right. you limit limits your system to your s s. d. and you can plug in all kind of external storage, either super fast Thunderbolt or nas or whatever and um, I, but it, oh go ahead
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna contest that a little bit because it's a Macbook Air, so who wants to lug around an external drive with their macBook air? I don't. Um, so I think if you, you know, think you need the space, you would be better off, um, buying it and having it inside the box than having an external that you got to, you know, I mean, if you're, if it's an iMac, yeah, sure. Plug in, you know, tons of stuff and, you know, or if it, maybe it's a laptop that you're going to use as a desktop most of the time, but probably if you're buying an air, that's because you wanted it to be portable. And no. adding an external like that is, you know, really going to make it super inconvenient.
0: No, good point, fair point. Yeah, um, but but he also says there's a new rub, and this this is really interesting to me. You wanted you used to use, excuse me, let me try again. <laughs> there's a new rub. You used to buy a machine for the long run, but Apple Silicon kind of may mean even faster progress, and you may not want a, want a Mac for a long time anymore. There could be more turnover, like more like the iPhone has seen. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I mean, at some point, you know, you're going have to have have a hard time justifying constantly laying out the this super big dollars for a faster machine, unless you have a situation where you can turn that time you save into money, like Jim is doing. Because there's a there's a big difference between reading a novel versus not being able to read a tweet. Things are so fast.
1: Well, that's um, so, over 35 years.
0: <laughs> not... well, still, yeah, but, but, you know, we, we don't know what we're going to see. You know, there all of a sudden there seems to be this big boost in processor technology. And, you know, was this just a blip and things will calm down to a little more orderly pace? Or will we see some of these, you know, ama- continue to see some of these amazing jobs?
2: Well, I don't okay, I'll, I know. I'll, I'll check in on that, you know, because I think that um, – one thing we've seen, you know, you know basically for the uh, the Mac Pros is, you know, they're really taking full advantage of, uh, you know, the uh, five nanometer process technology that TSMC is giving them. And you can see basically, you know, the two processor variants, they, you know, basically, you know, they supersize it. So, you know, they double the amount of you know, everything, cores, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, there's starting to be a little bit of chatter out there about you know, the next generation, you know, from five to four nanometers. And from traditional semiconductor sort of cycles, that's sort of an odd step. You know, normally they go about, about 60% smaller, which would be a three-nanometer technology. And you know, in the past couple of days, there's been some, you know, uh some chatter about that. So basically, what that means is you can, you know, essentially, you know, for the same size die, you can double the amount of stuff within it. So instead of having 70, was it 75 or 76 billion transistors, you know, they could, you know, get to 150 billion transistors, which means, you know, they can double again, the amount of cores and memory and everything else. So, uh, I think that's a pretty conservative set of estimates for what, uh, macbook or you know mac pros will look like you know two three years uh, down uh down the line from now you know, to me the more interesting thing is if they do any other innovations like you know here i think i think last year and then this year is the first time i had seen that remember seeing that they talk about uh the bandwidth of uh, their SSD drive uh, last year was three something. This year they're saying I think it was seven eight or seven five or something like that, um, and that's important because you know all these things all rise at once, and you need to have everything balanced, right? You know, how fast do you throw d- you know, data at your processor? How fast can that get it out of you know DRAM? How fast can that get it out of you know your uh, main storage? that uh you you don't you know, you have all these multiple moving bottlenecks, ideally, everything could be the same speed you know all at once, and um unfortunately that's just not possible, but you know, they're able to get you know way more performance and you know, when was it? Was it you know 10 years ago? I think it was still under Steve Jobs, right? So when Apple announced their grand junction technology, which is the ability, you know, to have really fine-grained parallelism that uh you know something needs to be done, just throw it at an available core, be it in the processor or be it at the GPU. So you know, we're starting to see you know the you know, the benefits at a system level of you know the collection of you know the benefits of all these uh, different improvements so i'm I'm thinking for pros who really need to you know render a lot of video and things like that that uh, over the next uh, you know two to five years that you know there is a potential for some really exciting uh, systems coming out uh, from Apple that will just blow people away you know and like Jim said earlier, you know for the past two or three or maybe more years, it's been clear that, you know, at the high end, Apple's been hitting performance gain limits, you know, as a result of, uh, you know, Intel uh, processors and Intel Silicon. Well, you know, they freed themselves of that. So um, it's going to be a really exciting future. You know, although I can admire all of those things, uh, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't match a lot of my workload. So, um You know, I admire them for their engineering, uh, you know, capability, but, uh, uh, you know, for me, sort of MacBook Air, entry-level MacBook Pros, you know, suit what I need.
1: I I think. You Jim. I think the jump over the last, you know, that we've seen in the last year is a just that it's a jump. And, you know it's going to keep going up but it's not going to keep going up the way it did over the last year. um a lot of that is because of architectural stuff that apple did some made some decisions that are different than what intel, you know, intel was sort of like dragged down by this a, you know, legacy of uh you know, f- basically 40 years like they're dragging around compatibility with, you know, all kinds of old x86, you know, the latest chips can still run 386 and even 286 and x86 code so they've got all this extra complex complexity that they have to drag along for software compatibility um <clears throat> so you know apple just jettisoned all that and you know we control the whole widget we control the compilers um and so they are able to do things like you know a, a big part of it is like they're they're using much wider bus widths than Intel uses. So I think now they're up to 512-bit uh, between the CPUs and the memory. Um, so I, I think that stuff is actually a bigger reason for these performance gains than um, the actual silicon stuff. You know, the, the actual silicon technology. Um, and, you know, those are kind of, you know, they're not going to be able to repeat that again. Um, I mean, they may you know, who knows? Maybe they'll use a thousand bits at some point that, you know, but yeah, well, um, I would... <clears throat> there's okay. going to be a, a certain diminishing return. So, you know, they're still going to, you know, you know, they're going to be able to do better, better silicon. But I, I think the big jump was that they were able to, you know, discard all this legacy crap that that. uh intel had to drag along and you know so intel couldn't really make these make these leaps and basically the stuff that was an advantage for intel for a long time which was basically that there was all this software you know it's like you go buy a windows windows box you can still run dos software on it you know from you know 1992 and it doesn't have to have been recompiled and you know that's sort of something that you know was a priority like you know and but it there's a cost to that. And you know, Intel just kept saying, We are gonna you know, we, we can't afford to 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 drop compatibility. For one thing, because they didn't control the whole widget, you know, that people would be mad at them. Where you know, and, and you know, looking back, this is yeah, you know, Apple telegraphed this when they dropped thirty-two bit support in Catalina. You know, it's like why did they do that? Well that that was totally telegraphing that ARM was coming. Because they're like, we're dumping all this legacy crap. We, you know, we're moving forward and we're not going to support any of this old stuff. Um, and now we're, you know, people at the time, a lot of people like, well, why is Apple? They're killing me here. Well, they got they got that killing me part out of the way. Although I'm sure there's some people that are still mad about it, but they knew what they were doing. And, and uh, you know, now we're reaping, the the benefit of what they what they've done. It's pretty cool.
0: Mac Voices is sponsored by Upstart, fair and fast personal loans. Go to Upstart.com slash Mac Voices and find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Upstart doesn't just look at your credit score, but also at other factors, like your income, current employment, and credit history, to find you a smarter rate for your loan. Find out what that rate is in minutes without impacting your credit score for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. And once you accept the loan, you can receive your funds in as little as one business day. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash macvoices. That's upstart.com slash macvoices. Don't forget to use my URL to let them know I sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan applications. Go to upstart.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Upstart for their support of Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Truebill. Get control of your subscriptions at truebill.com slash macvoices. What do you spend on subscriptions each month? Most of us think we spend around $80 per month on subscriptions, but we actually spend closer to $200 per month. Truebill is the new app that lets you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. It helps you discover hidden, unwanted subscriptions and cancel them with just one click. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Are you one of them? I bet you are. Or maybe it's one of those, free trials that renew without notice or your consent. They can cost you big time. Truebill gives you the power to see all your subscriptions in one place, keep the ones you want, cancel the ones you don't, right from the app. Start canceling your unused subscriptions at Truebill.com slash MacVoices. Go right now. Truebill.com slash MacVoices. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash MacVoices. Thanks to TrueBell for their support of Mac Voices.
2: That's uh, true. I think I, I think you're, I think you're a little heavy-handed in saying it's it's only architectural changes because a lot of those architectural changes were enabled by uh, you know, the process technology that uh, you know, they're getting by partnering with uh, TSMC, and. For example, for a long time, the benefit of going to 64 bits. It's not that you know, it's not that Word or Excel needs a 64-bit you know address space. It's just you know, way much faster because you can bring way more data in, uh, you know, to your processor you know, over a 64-bit bus than you can over a 32-bit bus. So you know, people have been you know. Uh, getting uh, performance gains by, you know, increasing the speed of the size of uh, the buses for a long time. But, you know, I I think, Jim, I think the most interesting thing you said there is Apple, because they have the entire stack, they are able to jettison, you old old useless crap. Um, And also that's in their DNA, where it's not in Intel's DNA or Microsoft's DNA, where they're struggling along with, you know, you know I think the dirty little secret is how many tens of millions of XP you know, you know, Windows systems are out there that barely have any support and or huge attack vectors. So um yeah, Apple is very clear, you know, that they've focused um, and again, there are pluses and minuses to their strategy, and their products are not appropriate for all environments, as as David will tell us, but you know, they've culturally align themselves with writing the best, you know, latest, you know, or the newer technology to move forward, you know, they are forward-leaning. they're forward leaning, they're forward leaning, they're not necessarily the bleeding edge, but you know, you know, this old, you know, legacy stuff, you know, it's clear, they don't, they just don't want to deal with it.
3: I can I can tell you uh, on your point, Mark, about about machines that are in the enterprise for Macs, You're going to see more and more enterprises want to use Macs as opposed to Linux boxes because of security. You know, information security is a, just a, such a huge thing. Cyber cyber risk is just so huge. Um, why would you want to have to manage a, a Linux box and, and try to help support it when you have such an easy platform in the way of Mac is and Mac can do easily do whatever a Linux box does and w- of what their needs are. So you're going to see more and more, uh, Macs in that, in that, uh, environment of, of the need, uh, but you're also going to start seeing, you're starting already seeing more Macs in the environment, uh, continuing on. So it it just, it just keeps, keeps evolving.
0: Yeah. Um, a couple of things that I want to point out here. Um, first of all, to try to cut through some of the, uh, the, the the geekery talk, at the end of the day, you know, the, the speed is dependent on the, the slowest part of the chain. That's right. where the bottleneck is going to be. So wherever that is, you know, that, that kind of simplifies things down. You have to speed everything up. Speeding up just one thing doesn't help it. Um, I do, once in a while, I like to point out the fact that, you know, we're talking about seven nanometers, four nanometers, five nanometers, three nanometers. A, pretty soon there's going to be no man- nanometers left and B, to just give you an idea of what size that is um the human hair is between 80,000 and 100,000 nanometers wide so we're talking about really 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 little stuff here um, to go
1: yeah, back I and, I remember 10 15 years ago when they were like oh we're, we're at the end of it we're not going to be able to make it any smaller um you know and you know we are getting at the point where features on the chips are dozens of atoms um and, you know, I, I'm kind of puzzled because I, I remember 10 years ago, they were saying quantum effects were already a problem. And yet we've still, you know, it hasn't moved as fast as it, you know, did some, say, 1980 to 2000 or 1970 to 2000. It slowed down some, but it's still getting smaller. You know, at some point, you know, it is going to be, that's it. No more smaller. Um, but, uh they keep saying we're there, and we're not quite there yet.
0: <laughs> and they keep going down.
1: I I, I I want to disagree with a little bit with your you know slowest link in the chain um, thing because I, I think that really depends on what the application is. Um, you know, there are some applications that are disk bound, and the CPU speed doesn't matter at all. Um, and there are other applications where you know CPU speed is is totally critical, and the disk doesn't matter at all um it really depends on what you're doing there're some there are some applications that are amenable to parallelism which is what you know mark was mentioning but a lot of applications aren't so that's like you know basically can the task be split up into multiple things and and you know be done at the same time and you so you can do it multiple times faster so things like video processing that works really well you can take video processing and split it up and you can just like throw more gpus and you just make it faster and faster and faster but a lot of you know things like an excel spreadsheet you can't do that uh or or compiling code you can't do that it's sequential you have to do one thing before the other and it doesn't really help to throw more cores at it and you know It doesn't matter what, you know, parallelism, you know, parallelism is sort of like a great white whale in um, in programming. I I remember when I started in the, you know, late 70s, that was something people are like, oh, we're going to figure out parallelism and, you know, computers are going to be 100 times faster. And we're in 2021. And in the general purpose case, that has never happened. You mean
2: Um, we can't impregnate nine women and have a baby in a month?
1: Well, you know, that's the old (laughs) mythical man month, Um, you know, which is usually applied to programming deadlines.
0: Hey, I'm going to put Jim in the box for a minute. Uh, Mark in the box for a minute. Um, To to circle back, though, to an an earlier point that we were talking about, you know, buying versus waiting. Um, Webster asks, is there an argument that the previous MacBook Pro customers get scared away from the butterfly keyboard and the missing function keys. The butterfly kept me away. So, yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting point, Webb, that there were certain, it's not just the CPUs we're talking about. The butterfly keyboard did intimidate a lot of people. Or uh, it's been know, gone for
1: them. a couple of years now.
0: Yeah, you know, but part- still, it it kept him from buying, making a purchase.
1: But so they did replace the butterfly keyboard
0: yeah, a couple of years ago. Eventually. Yeah, so there's. I mean, you can find reasons not to buy. You know, and and bread is. I'm not even going to pretend to try to uh, relate everything breads <laughs> to the room.
3: I was going to talk, I was see if you were going to do that.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. He's but he's throwing in a lot of geekery. But I think at the right. end of the day, you know, Jim makes a real good point, and and Mark kind of made it. Um, and this is why I I really shy away from benchmarks. Benchmarks are fun, but I really want to put my hands on it and see. How right. what I do with it, you know how, how it improves what I do with it, and so let's, you know I can say, basis. yeah, my my M1 Air it definitely improved my workflow. You know what will happen with the M1 Max? I can't wait to find out. Um, but and and everything is telling me, and I hope it's not building up my hopes. Um, but everything is telling me that it should be just phenomenal. So yep. we shall see. Brad, shall Brad see. thinks Everybody. he's
1: listening. Brad thinks he's listening to the Accidental Tech Podcast. Oh, and Paul, do you have a delivery
2: date for your machine? I should. I'm
0: hoping tomorrow. Mark is is what it's what it's looking like. So by the time we gather again, I should have had my hands on it. Okay,
3: mine not till the end of the
0: month. I'm sorry, David. Yeah. Well, as I said at the top of the show, I've got a bit of a hard out tonight, so um, I'm going to wrap it up and say thank you all for your participation. Participation here. Um, we got a, a bit deeper into the tech stuff than we usually do, but it's still good to do some of that and uh, and maybe leave some of the, the the higher level stuff or or more casual stuff for another night. Uh, so let's go around the room. Let folks know where they can find you, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, so I'm going to take the reverse and start with Mr. Mark Fuccio. Mark, where can folks find you?
2: Twitter at Mark Fuccio. M-A-R-K-F-U-C-C-I-O. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. Good to have you.
0: Jim Ray, thank you for the developer's insight. It's always good to uh, listen to you You and Mark argue. I love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where can we find you? I'm glad you like it. Uh, ProView.com, P-R-O-V-U-E, and uh, ProView Jim on Twitter. Excellent. Thanks, Jim.
0: Last but absolutely not least, and I will say again, if you're into betas, um, you want to listen to his show, David,
3: where can folks go to find you and hear that show? Uh, In Touch with iOS at In Touch with iOS.com. I don't know if we will go too deep into it, but we we dabble. Uh, But uh, you can find me there, and uh, you also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DaveG65. I'm on the Mac show on Fridays, and uh, I'm on Twitter at DaveG65. Thanks for a great show, Chuck. Ah thank you, David. Thank you.
0: And Webb, you have no, excuse me, yeah um, Brad, you have nothing to apologize. The engineer showing through is just fine. It's just That's awesome. Our, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to keep up with it at times. And Webb says that his MacBook Pro arrives Friday. So nice. Webb, well, maybe you, you you and I can compare some notes as to uh, what do we think Yeah, um, so so folks, this is Mac Voices live. We do this Tuesday nights, um eight p m Eastern five p m Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are. We'd love to have you join us in the chat room. Whether you're an engineer like Brad or not, um, feel free to c- express your opinions and thoughts um, because we don't always have all the good ones, no question about it. Until next week, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine